Welcome to the Transparency Project on the Inside Lens Network, with programming dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved homicides and suspicious deaths. If you have a question or comment for today's guest, please call in at 646-478-0982, 646-478-0982. My name is Denny Griffin, and my co-host is Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com. Hi, Delilah. Good morning, Denny. Good to be here once again. And um, I, I just want to take a moment to let our listeners know that we are around for a long time. We have over 700 episodes that people can listen to, and we, we highly encourage you to do so. We have a lot of different types of programming on the Inside Lens Network. Um, I would say the the majority are crime-related or rights-related and that type. But we also have author interview shows. We also have writing tip shows. So there's something for everyone. And we would hope to have you um, go to iTunes or wherever wherever you're getting and listening to podcasts and subscribe to us at the Inside Lens Network. Leave us a review. Um, we hope it'll be a five-star review because that shows us that you enjoy our programming. And it also helps put this information in front of a wider audience because a lot of the cases that we highlight are unsolved cases, cold cases, you know, so missing persons. So we we offer a lot of information that if it gets in front of the right person, it will make a difference. And we just want to let you know that we don't claim to solve cases. Uh, we we allow the families to come on to the shows to present their information, and while we might suggest some resources or, or places that they can go for assistance, but what they do after that is is totally up to them, and we're not liable for what they do. So, and once again, we we have uh, you know a cold case. What do you think, Denny? These these cold cases are. Unbelievable. There seems to be so many. Maybe we're just hearing about them more because technology has changed, but it just seems like there are so many families out there just wanting answers. That's all they need. They want answers. Yes, and they, some of them, uh, for example, in today's case, uh, uh, are decades old. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the and you have to give credit to the uh, survivors, the, the surviving family members, for not giving up and uh, and, and keeping the ball rolling and, and um, with tremendous obstacles uh, in their paths. Uh, it's really uh, it's something. And for today's show, on, on August 17, 1996, Jack L. Robinson was stabbed to death during an altercation at the Rosewood Boat Landing in Columbia, South Carolina. Witnesses reported that just after 6 p.m., they saw Jack and an unknown man arguing apparently over money. As the suspect fled the scene, Jack, mortally wounded, struggled to make his way toward the witnesses for help. Rescue personnel rushed Jack to the hospital where he was pronounced deceased. Investigators believe Jack and his assailant knew each other, but are unsure why the verbal altercation turned violent. 
sketch was composited from witness descriptions implicating a Hispanic male with an olive complexion between the ages of 25 to 35 years old. Jack's murder remains unsolved. And today, Jack's daughter, Tammy Downs, is here to talk about the status of that investigation. Tammy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Denny and Delilah. I appreciate you all allowing me to um, come on today and and get my dad's story out there once again. Hopefully one day somebody will listen and they might have answers. <laughs> so we, so I just keep hoping for that to happen. Well, that that's exactly as I was saying a minute ago, that uh, you and, and others that are in similar situations, uh, I, I give you all the respect in the world for not giving up uh, – you know, on, on these cases and, and the hope that someday uh, someone will come forward or someone will be located by investigators or whatever and, and come yeah. up with the uh, inf- information needed to clear the case. So, again, uh, Tammy, welcome to the show. I'd, Thank you. I'd like, to, I'd like to begin, if you would, to tell us what you can about your father. Um, now, I know he was a... Uh, a military veteran, and what else can you tell us about him when he retired uh, and what he was doing in retirement, his lifestyle, that type of thing? Um, yeah, he was in the Air Force, and he was Civil Service Army out at Moncrief Hospital at Fort Jackson. And he was there for about 15, 20 years, I guess, and he re- retired there also. But my dad, he enjoyed helping people. And he was a part of um, of being able to feed the needy and um, homeless people, and he he made his his life in trying to help as many people as he could in his own way. My dad was um, uh, he was a very quiet person. I think it was due to him being in the military that and because of what he did. It, a lot of things was secretive, so that's the way my dad was. But at the same time, you know, he enjoyed his family. He enjoyed being around people he went to school with. He would go to Olympia a lot because that is where he was born and raised, and that is where he went to school, and that is where he got murdered. And um, so um, he was a family man. I mean, he was married to my mother. For 21 years and then he remarried later on he had a girlfriend at the time before all this happened um and so it uh it's been a shocker to a lot of the information that coming out about him and um but my dad was a good person he was a good man and um and he had a lot of friends and he never i don't think that he had enemies i've never known of him having enemies um, but he was a good man he, in his own what, way. What what types of information, uh, Tammy, are, are coming out now that you say some people are finding uh, uh, surprising or shocking? What What is out there? Well, Denny, when everything first happened, um, and, the, you know, I had to go to the sheriff's office, and we had to sit around this big table, well, you know, it's one thing when – they say to you, your your family member was murdered, my dad in this case. But then it's another thing when they come out and they say, well, not only was your father murdered, but he's gay, and he was killed by his gay lover. Well, 
back then, this was 22 years ago, I'm sorry, but I had a very hard time with that. Uh, my whole entire family, his sisters and brothers were all alive, and even they were shocked to it. They, There's no way. You're talking about our brother, my father, um, you know, because if he was, he sure did not let us family know about it, and he was married, plus he did have a girlfriend at the time. Now, whether or not if she was like a sideline to make everybody think that he did, I don't know. It has been difficult for me, I will say. Um, it's not that I'm totally against gays or lesbians or any of that, you know, whatever you choose your life to be, fine. He is my father, and I love him to death, and I am his voice. And But they're really hooked on this, on this and um, yes, sometimes it's hard for me to swallow, but he's still my father. And I need proof. I need darn proof of this that they're talking about. So far, they have just said, oh, well, he went to gay bars, and he was this, and he, well, anybody can go to a gay bar with friends. I mean, he had different, you know, men, my cousins, people that he hung out with, and I guess, but he never drank. He never drank a, a lick of liquor in his life. He did not smoke. Um, and so that is some of the, um, I've had 22 years to sort of like digest all this, and now that they're really pushing harder on it, take me back sometimes. Because I wish my dad would have, if this was the case, if this was something that he was fighting with inside himself, um, I wish that he could have come to the family and said, and to how they would have responded to it, I don't know. It would have been hard for me at the time when it all came out because I didn't want to believe it. And I still don't want to believe it, but I need proof of it. It's like they say, you've got to have proof of everything when a victim, you know, when somebody is killed, they have to have proof to be able to charge a person. And Well, I need the proof that my father was a gay. I need every kind of proof that there is possible. And if they find somebody out there that was gay and did kill him, well, I hope the person isn't dead so I can hear what he has to say, if that is all possible. And um, it's, it, it's just been a difficult road uh, with this situation. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm not against no one with that lifestyle of, you know, um, and he was my dad. And if this does turn out to come true, well, if it's, you know, to find who did it, hopefully can hear from that person to why and what exactly happened. Because the witnesses did hear him say, do you want money? What do you want? Did he know the man? I have no idea if he, know, if he knew the man. The witnesses thought that there was a possibility that it could, he could have. But I don't know that answer. I don't know if he did know them or if he didn't know them. So I don't know, Jenny. When it comes to that, it's sort of uh, hard. Before before we move on, Tammy, I, I got a couple of questions I'd like to follow up on. Um, now, apparently, the police are treating this, uh, or at least one of the possible scenarios, is that this was a uh, a uh, a gay relationship uh, that somehow deteriorated into. Uh, into causing your father's death. Um, I, I'm just 
curious if if they believe if that is one of the avenues the investigators are pursuing um and they think it was actually a gay lover and that they know you're or they they claim anyway that your father was visiting uh, gay bars and so forth it it almost seems to me that that should be a f- somewhat of an easy angle to follow up on i mean if if they if, if they had information of where he was allegedly hanging out and so forth it seems as though that that would be something that could be pursued uh relatively easily but obviously, after 22 years, it apparently is not that easy. So am I missing something here, or do you know? Well, this is this is it, Denny. Back in 96, when my dad was murdered, a year later in November, there was a young man that murdered a woman and child. And when he came in to be questioned about this woman and child, he saw the composite that was drawn from the three witnesses. According to the detectives claim that this gentleman uh, asked, well, is this the person that was supposed to see me, you know, uh, when I murdered this woman and child? Well, immediately they said, you're the killer, you're charged. And they told me, well, he's going to prison now for the woman and child because their case is stronger. So he would have to break out before we could ever do anything about it. But the other side of this coin is not only did they charge him with it, they had no knife, they had no DNA, they had nothing. They just charged him. Well, after he after three years of him being put in prison at McCormick Prison on the border of South Carolina and Georgia, they dropped the charges because they discovered that They had nothing on him to charge him with. Well, they didn't try contacting me, nor did they try contacting my family either to let us know that these charges had been dropped. So a good 10, 11 years there, when they should have been picking it right back up, everybody was alive, they could have been able to found who killed my father. But they did not do that. He stayed on a shelf. And it wasn't until about seven years ago, six, seven years ago now, when I had gone online, I was looking for some information. And when I did, Rosewood, um, uh, Richland County Sheriff's Office, Unsolved Murders came up. And I clicked on it. And when I did, there was my dad's picture. No suspect found unsolved murder. Well, it almost felt like it happened all over again. 10, 11 years later. So I got on the phone to Richland County Sheriff's Office to find out what in the world was going on. Why now all of a sudden? Why didn't anybody contact me? What have you been doing with his case? So that's when I got put with Chief Smith, which is head of unsolved murders, uh, cold cases there at Richland County in Columbia. And we had a rocky road because There was lies, there were a lot of different things that happened, and him and I, at first, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't hit it off, and then I finally realized, and it was brought to my attention, I mean, I have, I do have, you know, that right to have that anger, or the be angry, but at the same time, as it was told to me, Tammy, you need to, you, I know you need to be angry, 
but you need these cops. You need these detectives. They are the ones that have got to help you. You can't, yes, you've, you're putting out his story and you're not giving up on finding justice for him. But at the same time, when it comes down to the bottom end, those detectives, I need them. They need me because I'm the one that's getting out the story. They have not, they've only helped two times. And this last time was two years ago when I went on his date of murder. We went to the Rosewood boat landing and they got me, they finally got me with news media. And, um, and I told them, I, will keep, I won't stop. So everything that I use on Facebook or Twitter, which I have two, I have accounts for, or my dad, I put out his story and they know it. They watch what I do. That's okay. They can watch all they want, but they know that everything that I put out there belongs to them. You know, as far as my dad's story. And um, so, yeah, it's been a little rocky. I've even done, I've filed an ombudsman against them and against the detectives. And they came back and said, we can't help you. We have no files. We can't do anything to help you with this. So I've been on my own up until I would say probably within the last couple years, Chief Smith and I sort of battled it out. We got our heads together, and I said, look, I'm not giving up. I'm going to be putting stuff out there. He said, you just keep me posted on what you're doing. He said, you're fine, because they're not going out of their way. I mean, they've got so many murders in South Carolina, in Columbia. You know, what's my dad? 22 years murdered. Well, they have new ones coming in every day. So, um I'm his voice. I have to talk for him, and I have to get his story out there. And I do keep them posted on what's going on and what I do, and I just keep on talking. Tammy, how uh, over this 22-year period, uh, how many different detectives have you had to deal with, um, I've including had Chief Smith? Well, including Chief Smith, there's been three. When it first happened, there was two detectives. And then when everything was dropped, and then, like I said, when they got me in touch with Chief Smith, Chief Smith had put me with another detective, Godfrey, very, very nice uh, detective, and he really did a lot, trying to redo everything, trying to look at his case to see if there was something that was missed. And he even went to the McCormick prison and spoke to this person that had been uh, charged and he did a lot. And, but like I said before, so many people have now passed away. All of my family has passed away for except one. And now, you know, you can't really talk to her very much. And we don't discuss the case with her at all. But um, Chief Smith then turned it over. He is still on the case. He's still head of the case. But now I have Lieutenant Eisenhower. He is, he's, he's very nice. Um, him and I have worked through some battles again, but I think him and I are finally understanding each other, and he's finally realizing, you know, that I am his voice, and I'm not going to give up no matter what they do. And um, as long as we can keep in touch, and, and they've now done a new uh, this MVAC that they're doing, this, the vacuum cleaner thing. Um, they talked to me about it, 
and they told me they wanted to do it, and they wanted my opinion on it. And I said, well, it looks like it's helping a lot of unsolved murders, and what can it hurt? I mean, up to this point, all of my dad's blood has been coming back being him. There has been no DNA showing up of someone else. So with this back, which they've now done, it can, it's uh, 20 people that is in this group that my dad is in, and um, they are, it's at the lab, and I know that they're working on it. We just haven't, they just have not contacted me yet with any answers. Um, and back to one of the questions that you had asked me regarding my dad. Apparently at the time when my dad was murdered, around the general area, there were four other men that were murdered, the same as my father. And they, it's, they're closed just like, I mean, they're unsolved just like my dad's case. And for the same amount of years, 22 years now, give or take. Apparently, there was a man, a, tech, a staff sergeant in the Army at Fort Jackson. He was married. He's got six children. And I guess he is, I don't know what the right term is, but I guess apparently he has a lot of anger. He has, he's, he's a very um, nasty man. And he went after gay men, young gay men. And then he would apparently stab them. Well, there was a young man that he went after that is from another country. He was illegal. And he went for this man. Well, this man got the knife from the sergeant and killed him. So he is now no longer here to talk. The other man, the man that got the knife from him, the illegal, was in the United States for three years in their jail. And then they had to send him back to his country. So... Because of there being small uh, departments, sheriff departments throughout South Carolina and through the, you know, through the state and Columbia, the department that had this particular case called Richland County because they're a bigger uh, outlet, I guess, police department. They contacted him and said, look, we have this sergeant's DNA, his profile, everything. Do you want it? Because I guess after a certain amount of years, after something has been uh, solved, it goes in archives or they get, I don't know if they, I don't think they get rid of it, but they go off into archives after it's been solved. Well, so when they did my dad's VVAC, they also did it on this sergeant from Fort Jackson because they need to do a, a DNA profile on him and on my dad because they've already done one, I guess, on these other four men. So they want to see whether or not if this guy, even though he's passed, could possibly be the person that killed my dad or these other four men. There's a part of me that um, I have a lot of different emotions about it. Um, for the simple fact, again, it comes back, well, it's a possibility that he's gay. And this could be possibly the person that killed him or, you know, what his intentions were um, by my father. I don't know. Did my dad know this man? I don't know. Um, but, again, I need proof. They don't have no proof. They have no DNA. They have no knife. They have nothing. So 
since they did the VVAC on this man and my dad, they're now at the lab. And there's a big part of me that says, please don't let this be the man. He's now passed. I will never get answers. All I will get is, well, if the DNA matches, this has got to be the person that killed your dad. I want to hear proof. I want to hear why this happened. And I may not get that. Well, when when do you expect to get some results from these uh, from the DNA? Is, did they give you a time frame or when you might hear something? When I when he first called me to tell me about it, um, he said that you know because I asked him, I said, well, how long can this take? And he said, well, it all depends. He said, even though they're they're there at the lab. He said, there's other cases that are constantly coming through. Some of them they need to get done, like ASAP. So, again, they get put on the back burner for other cases, and which, I mean, is, you know, they've got to do that in order to try to solve these cases. How long it's going to take, I don't know. It's been about three weeks now, I would think, that from the time they did it and it got sent into the lab, with you know because there's a group of 20 so every day i just wait i did call lieutenant eisenhower about a week and a half ago and he told me that the lab did contact him because they wanted more information on my dad they wanted they wanted more information on what took place you know his background the whole bit and so um lieutenant eisenhower said that that was a good thing because, you know, if, if they're coming and asking for more information to help them, then he said, you know, that, that, sound, that seems to be a good way. But we do not have an answer yet. They have not contacted me yet with any information. So I'm waiting on pins and needles again. <laughs> uh, a, a quick question here, I, I guess the, the lab – wants more information i'm just curious did they explain to you uh, i mean a dna result is a dna result and and regardless of the circumstances that result would would be what it is i'm just wondering right. what what difference it makes uh you know the background information I'm, I'm a little curious about what impact that would have on the dna result did they explain that to you no, sir, they did not. He just told me that the lab contacted him because they wanted more information. He did not tell me what the information was that they were needing. And so I don't know, Denny. I, I can't answer that question. I don't know. I don't know. He, uh, he wouldn't tell me if it was. Delilah, do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, I think... I think it's great that they're using this technology and hopefully they will find something and be able to, you know, turn it over maybe to Parabon Earth or a lab like that to get a composite. That would be super helpful, I think. And hopefully it will be someone who is still around that can answer the questions that you're asking, Tammy. Um, I do have a question about the three witnesses. Now, are the three witnesses still around? Are they still able to be uh, interviewed? Yes, yes. Um, back whenever 
uh, I had mentioned I was put with uh, uh, Sergeant uh, Godfrey through the cold case department. And when he um, took over, when Chief Smith had him doing the, my dad's case, he did contact the witnesses and, um, and spoke with them again and asked them questions. Of course, they did not tell me what the questions were or whatever, but they said that, um, that they did speak with them and they did ask questions. One of the guys is in the military. And so at the time when it all took place, he had gone back to his duty station and they had to like fax stuff back and forth in order to get um, information from him, you know, as being a witness. And, uh, but no, they have not given me none of that information. So, so if they would come up with some sort of a composite, these people may be able to identify. Yes. Because we we do have a composite now that the witnesses did do, and it will be very interesting to me that if if they do find some DNA of the person that did kill him and they do that picture uh, that you were talking about with the DNA, how they can – um, print out or make you know the composite I, I'm going to be it's going to be very interesting to see how close it is to the composite that the witnesses gave and right. um, you know that is going to be interesting to me and or it might even be a better recollection for them um, it's sometimes yeah. easier to recognize something even than it is to bring all of those details back out of your mind for a composite right. you know, like drawing Right. Yeah. The only thing that I hope, and I and I hope, they've already somebody one time that was the wrong person. And I just hope they don't do it again. I hope they don't just go grabbing for the first straw. This is the person. This is it. We're done. I hope they have a lot more proof this go around um, on you know, if this happens, um, that, you know, they do find some DNA. Delilah, am I correct that uh, Paraban uh, is able to do an age-enhanced composite now from the DNA? Yeah, they, from what I understand, the composites that they end up doing usually are going to show someone around 25, 30 years old. But they can take that composite and they can age it if it's an older, you know, if it's an older person that they're, is the suspect. So they can, yes, they can age enhance the photo. Well, that's, that's interesting, Delilah, that you brought that up, only because there has been several times, quite a few times, that I have asked and asked and asked, Chief Smith, can you take this composite and have somebody, uh, you know, bring it up to what the person would look like now. And, you know, because, I mean, I would think that that would be a big thing if if you had a progression of what he would look like now. Well, they're telling me that they don't have those, um, they don't have that, uh, a way of doing that. Because they don't, they told me that they have no idea of the background of this person. So because of that, they don't have, uh, you know, the DNA or anything else 
it's very hard for them to know what this person would look like through the face features and hair and all of that. And so that's why they've never done it. But yet, like you just said, I have been hearing that they can do it. But I guess there's only, is it only a certain place, Delilah, in which they could send the composite to, to do that, to do an enhancement? Mm, that I can't, I can't speak to. I, I don't know the answer to that. I would imagine it depends on their capabilities and, and maybe their equipment or something. Another person that might have an answer to that would be Mike Street. They call him the sketch cop. And I'll put you in touch with him and you can answer, ask okay. him that question. Because I know he has a lot of... Um, sketch technology I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but he may be able to at least answer that question for you and he may be able to speak with the law enforcement agency if if he feels they are able to do that and he could maybe train them how I see okay well thank you I would appreciate that because I have asked the questions on it and they've told me no that they couldn't do it so I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, again, I think it depends on capabilities, the equipment, the technology that each department is using. Is you know, some are not going to be as as able to do those things as others. So you know, it's nothing. Right. It's nothing bad on on Richland County, but it's you know, right. there are things out there that probably can be done to age enhance the sketch. And but again, they're right. If you don't have a background on the person, it's going to be a little more difficult to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. I I wonder, uh, Delilah, if it would be a good idea if when next time um, Tammy is talking to the lieutenant or the chief to mention Paraban, I, uh, maybe that's something that they would want to explore. Oh, I, I would think if they're using the MVAC, that Parabon is kind of the next step in in the process that, that I'm seeing people use a lot now, which makes me very happy. I was telling Tammy off air, you know, we we interviewed Dr. Graytech, what, a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago maybe, and it, it was kind of like new technology that no one was using and and we wanted to get the word out there about it. Well, now since the Golden State Killer, that has really brought all, all of this DNA technology into another game. It's, the game has changed once more. And we're seeing so many old cold cases being solved because of uh, what, like like Tammy, and, and using the MVAC, getting the, the DNA going to a place like Parabon and being able to come up with a composite um, and, the, and the genealogy DNA uh, sites as well, all sort of mesh together. And I've seen so many of, of cold, cold, old cases uh, finally being solved and arrests are being made. So I think that Families that have older cold cases now have another uh, ray of hope. They really have another ray of hope. Um, Tammy, let let me just, uh, something I wasn't quite clear on. Let's go back to August of 96. 
Now, tell us how you learned of your father's death. Where, where were you at the time? Who contacted you? All that kind of stuff. Well, it was on a Saturday evening when he was murdered, and my mother at the time lived out in the country. I was in St. Augustine, and she lived out here in Palaka. And I would come out here sometimes and, you know, visit with her and stay the weekend and stuff. And I happened to be out here this that weekend. And Sunday morning, we got a phone call, and my aunt, that is the only one of my dad's uh, siblings that is still alive, at the time, her husband was alive, and he's the one that called me to let me know what happened. And um, I don't think I've ever moved so quickly to do something as I did that day between my mom and I packing our bags. I had to get my son, and off the door we went to Columbia. And um, it was, um, you know, it's one thing when you have a family member passed away because they have health or just natural, you know, reasons. But then when you have somebody murdered and you have questions flying through your head and then, you know, you have to go to the coroner's office, you have to identify them and everything. It's a lot. And it was very hard. And, and then you have to go, I had to get into his condo because I had to look for paperwork that I needed. And they put me in this big suit, covered me all up to go in there because they had been dusting and, and the whole bed. And, I mean, this place was all ramsacked, upside down, black stuff everywhere. And But that's how I found out about it, was through my uncle and him calling me to let me know to what happened. And um, now, kind of you, you say me you say, Tammy, that uh, you then attended a meeting at the sheriff's office and you were in a, a conference room apparently, and that's when um, the issue was first raised that your dad may have had an alternative lifestyle. How long was it between you being notified of your dad's murder and that this meeting took place in the sheriff's office? Well, that Sunday morning when my uncle called me, we got, I packed up and I left. And they um, had us scheduled. I first had to go and identify his body. And then after I did that, then the meeting took place at the sheriff's office that Monday, the day after he was murdered. All of his siblings, myself and my mom, we all had to go. And we all did go and sit around the table. And that's when it was all discussed. And they let us know what they thought and, you know, that he had been murdered. And he was taken to um, the hospital that he was taken to. They did try uh, surgery on him to try to survive him. But his uh, liver, lungs, pink, everything was, I mean, this guy stabbed him a lot. And um, there was no way that they could save him. He lost too much blood. So it would appear then in this uh, little over 24 hours or whatever that elapsed between the murder and the meeting at the sheriff's office, uh, that's apparently when they came up with this idea about the alternative lifestyle? Yes, because they, um, of course, when they were at his condo, 
my my dad had one of his sisters live with him when her husband died he she moved in with him and lived with him for i know 20 years and they went everywhere together they did everything they'd come to florida the whole bit to see us well she just she took sick and moved with her daughter so then my dad was by himself and according to some of the people that were in the condo where he lived they would say oh well you know, he had men friends coming over, and he would go off with men friends and this and that. Well, what's wrong with that? Men have friends. Does that make you gay because you have a male friend? I don't think so. I mean, unless I'm missing something. So because they felt that he had men friends come over and he would go off with them, that this is the that that made him gay. But then they started pursuing further things. One thing led to another with phone calls and stuff that they would meet of other people, you know, asking questions and doing. One thing led to another. And one of my cousins that it was uh, my dad's age, they would get together. They would go uptown where some of these bars were. And it just so happened that some of these bars were, I mean, anybody could go in there, but I guess they're quoted uh, gay bars. And so one thing led to another. They, The detectives went to these various places. Have you ever seen this man? Yes. Has he been in here with other people? No. He usually comes in here by himself. Once in a blue moon, he may have somebody with him, but he sits in the corner, he has a Sprite, and he just... He just sits there and that's it. And I asked the questions. Well, has he walked out with somebody? Would there be other men, you know? No, not always. No, very far and in between. So because he goes to this gay bar, several of them, I guess that makes him gay also, is the, is the way that they come across to me, the way they came across to our family, because he had male friends, because he would go to the, the, these places. That's how they come up or came up with the fact, oh, well, he's gay. And this is what we think happened to him. And so without no proof of anything, just by hearsay and, and you know, other than them going to the bars and showing his face, and, yes, they knew him. But nobody, and just like the sergeant that I was referring to that had stabbed, I guess, various men tried linking him to my father. They have tried putting my father and this sergeant at these bars because apparently this sergeant would visit these bars. They cannot put the two of them together. My dad worked at Fort Jackson. He worked at Moncrief Hospital. He worked in the lab. He had worked in various uh, departments out there. They tried, and because he was a sergeant at, at Fort Jackson, they even tried finding, well, could he and my dad had have met at the hospital? Well, they never could place this sergeant with my dad of any place in the hospital. So, again, they have not been able to place him anywhere to say, yes, this is the person. And that's why I say, I need proof. I want proof. Of everything. I don't want another person charged for something and they really didn't do it. 
So. Tammy, let me let me just say that uh, a case I've been involved with for several years now is, is very uh, very strong similarities uh, to to your dad's case in the uh, the sense of the uh, possible alternative lifestyle and and so forth, and it's really uh, uh, the similarities are. are so striking to me, it's almost eerie, uh, and it's uh, it, it was a military involvement, and I mean, like I say, it's just very striking to me. And uh-huh. the only reason I'm, I'm pursuing this uh, questions are has nothing to do with the lifestyle. Okay, I mean, not judgmental about the lifestyle. Um, right. I'm only looking at it from the investigative standpoint. And I okay. know from this case that I am familiar with, my personal involvement is once the word came out that the uh, the deceased may have been at a, a, a gay bar and that type of thing, uh, another investigator and I were able to get information very quickly as, right. as to what what the true story was. And so looking at it strictly from the investigative aspect, um, I, I, I can't help but being hung up to the idea that if dad was going to these places uh, or one or more places and so on, that uh, it, it just seems to me that there should be some leads there that, that uh, could have been pursued, uh, you know, during this 22 years. Uh, maybe they all have been. Maybe I, you just aren't aware. But uh, it, it just seems as though there should have been some some information available and and some good leads to follow up on that would have either determined yes or no type type thing. So I'm I'm surprised, I guess, that uh, this amount of time has gone by and the issue is still in doubt. That just uh, uh, I, I don't know. I'm having trouble getting my head around that because it, it's so right. the, the similarities are so so um, so striking and yet the results aren't what I experienced so anyway okay I'll, I'll move on from that I guess I don't want to uh, beat the thing into the ground um, right so well, Jenny, just real quick just yeah. um, as far as that you're right I mean that is why I keep saying I want proof they can say that he's gay all they want to, but where is the proof? Just because he has male friends, just because he walks into a bar and sits in a corner and has a Sprite? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I would think that there would be people in those bars that would place my father with another man. Being in there sitting together, walking out together, whatever it may be. I would think that there would be other proof. And so far, and, well, all I'm going to say is, is, you know, the storybook is pretty thick. And um, I had at one time pursued an attorney. And I got the storybook. I had his storybook. And they did witness you know, talk to a lot of people and, but yet there's still no proof of nothing. And I mean, I've asked uh, him all kinds of questions. 
Delilah asked a little bit ago about the three witnesses uh, uh-huh. from the from the boat landing, and, and you said yes, they're still uh, still around or still alive. Yeah. Uh, have you ever talked to them yourself? Have they ever reached out to you, or have you ever spoken with them personally? No, I have asked if I could, and they told me that as long as as long as it's an open investigation, that I can't talk to them. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, um, but no, sir, I have not. Um, I wish I could. I would love to hear what they have to say. I would love to be able to a- ask them various questions about it because they were there. They saw what took place. And why my dad was down there, I don't know. I don't know why anybody would have been down there. But people do dock their boats there. They do have a couple of picnic tables. And that's it. The rock quarry sits right in front of it. And it's it's sort of like really put back where the Congaree River comes around and people can go up and down the Congaree River fishing, swimming, you know. But why people would just go down there, they said that it was like a party place. And I know that my one of my cousins, who my dad would hang out with, they would go there sometimes because they graduated school right there at Olympia. So they would meet friends that they went to school with. And there was a market that was not far from the boat landing. And they, and they had illegals. And they had like a little residential-type area for all the illegals to live. And they would work at this market whenever the trucks would come in. They would undo. Well... I've been told that there were illegal Mexicans that would go down there and drink and they would get nasty and whatever. And I have asked them over and over and over, have you contacted any of these markets? Have you given them any of the composites? So it's going to, I guess, be left up to me for me to have to go back to South Carolina, get my cousin to help me by take going around to some of these markets looking for them because the one that was in Olympia is no longer there. They moved. And um, whether or not if they would help me, I don't know. But I've that has been something that has really crossed my mind several, several times that it might be something I should do. I did try contacting a couple of them, and I never got responses. They did not call me back. So it would have to be something I think I would have to go in person to do. And just just to be clear, these three uh, eyewitnesses, they were only eyewitnesses to the murder. They they did not know your father. This had nothing to do with his lifestyle or anything. This was strictly what took place on the day of the murder. Exactly. It was two guys and a girl. They were on their way. They were getting ready to go to the Coliseum for uh, a concert or something, and they went down there um, where they, you know, I, I don't know what they were down there for, but they were down there. And at the time, when it all took down, they saw my dad and the man, and then uh, the girl, Kimberly, she was the one that my dad ran down to yelling for help. And Kimberly was the one that that sat there with my father, put his head in her lap. They called the ambulance, and she stayed there. And apparently she asked him questions, you know, what is your name? He told her. And she also asked him, do you know this person? Well, he said no. 
but he didn't know the person. And then the ambulance got there, they took him off, and he died because of the stab wound. There, there was uh, some um, talk that uh, there was an, the argument that ended up resulting in in your dad's death was related to money. How how did that aspect get in there? Who 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 uh, determined that this was a, a financial thing? Well, uh, the witnesses stated that when right before everything happened, they saw them talking. And they said that they heard my father ask this man, you know, what do you want from me? Do you want money? What do you want from me? And the next thing they knew, they see him being stabbed, takes off a shirt, runs down the hill to where they were at. And, um, and, and that's what they heard. That's what they saw. And, you know, so I don't know if it was somebody I don't know. I don't know what my dad was. He, my dad wasn't a rich man, but he was retired air force and army. He was, he was a very good finance type person. And I mean, he wasn't rich, but I mean, if he could help somebody, he would help them. Now, was this somebody that he was trying to help and the person was wanting more money from him? And he said, no, I don't want it. Or I don't know. Jenny, I, I mean, like I said, there is just so many questions and no answers. Nobody can give me answers. So this this and thing could have been anywhere from from the so-called uh, gay lover thing to a panhandler to somebody trying yes. to put the bite on your father for money. Exactly. Hmm. I mean, to me, there's a lot of open space there, but for whatever reason, they're stuck on this gay thing. And that is why I keep saying I need proof. You have to have proof. You show me proof. Have you done DNA to to um to do this? Well, they haven't been able to find no DNA. There's a lot of tests that they couldn't do because they didn't do it back in '96. Um, and not only that, but I found out also that when they did his autopsy, and I guess they had, you know, got DNA and various things, and none of it's ever been checked, never been run through the lab. And I'm like, 22 years now has gone by. Why hasn't it been ran through a lab? Why hasn't anything been done with it? No uh, answer. Tammy, let me, uh, let me ask you this. Have you attempted to get any records from the police department, from the sheriff's office, their investigative reports and that type of thing. Have you, have you attempted to get those records? I have the storybook. I have his book, everything. No, I'm, I'm at the actual police reports that were, oh, were they yeah, outlined who that. they, you got, you got all you, that. You talk about with the witnesses and all, is that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, the whole investigative file, everything the everything the, the sheriff's office did, from who they talked to, who they uh, interviewed, yes. what records they got. Okay, so you've got all that stuff. Did they give you a hard time releasing that to you, or did they uh, did they uh, I did. let you have it? For- well, I don't know if they even know that I have it. I had I had got an attorney back at, right after all this happened. And because there were some things that I just wasn't, you know, cool with. 
And when the attorney came back to me, um, he and because he could not help me at that time, and of course I wasn't really sure what I was after, but I just wanted an attorney for you know questions that I had. He sent me the murder book. I call it the murder book. Everything that the cops have, I have it, and I've got it put away in lock and key, and I have it. And I mean, there's times whenever I reference back to it. And, you know, things that they say to me and do. And, but there are some things that they have said to me that's not in the murder book. And then there's things that they have said to me that is in the murder book. Because I check to what they tell me. And I'll go back in there and see, you know, if they did this or if they did that. Now, whether or not if I should have it or not, I don't know, but I do. So it's now out there. Okay. Tammy, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up right here. We're out of time. I want to thank you so much for sharing your father's story with us. And uh, please let us know if there are any new developments in the investigation, and we'll have you back to do an update. Okay, that's fine, Denny. I appreciate it. Um, I just want to say this real quick, that there is a $1,000 uh, reward. And if anybody does know anything, they can call Crime Stoppers at one eight eight eight. Crime SC, and that is the Crime Stoppers Carolina. I do have a page for him on Facebook, Jack L. Robinson. And then I do have a Twitter, uh, I have a Twitter account um, for it, uh, the at sign 89 Robinson. And so I do postings on uh, Twitter also. I have a page for him. And um, Okay. But I appreciate it very much, Delilah and Denny. I appreciate you allowing me to come on today. You're more than welcome, Tammy. And our next broadcast will be on July 24th when we'll profile the cases of Mariah and Hank Few. Please join us then. I sure will. Thank you.